But I'm going to preach because I believe in generational blessing. If you can have generational curses, you can have generational blessings. If a crack mom can have a crack baby and so on, a Holy Ghost mom can have a Holy Ghost baby. So you have to understand as I move into this word, it's a brand new word and I'm going to, I need you to really do something uh, called leaning in. I, I was listening to a, um, an Ed Milet uh, podcast yesterday. I listened to business leaders and, and he was talking about that, that if God is not halfway for you, then why should we be halfway for him? He's all in on you. Somebody say all in. No, say it better. All in. So this is one of those days where I need you to lean in. I want to preach on living in the perpetual harvest. In fact, the subtitle is Awakening Generational Wealth. And I'm not just talking about dollars. I'm talking about wealth. Can I preach on this today? Now, you need to understand, the Lord shifted us several years ago, and I'll go deeper into that in just a moment, but, but I wanted to awaken possibilities in here. I'm here to break some curses this morning. And I'm not just speaking what was spoken over you, but I was, I'm speaking about what was done to you. I'm speaking about understanding, living in a perpetual harvest. Believe it or not, it is a law. Believe it or not, it is something that will never change. How to handle and create that generational blessing and walking that. I, I, I love what, 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 what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It's a verse that I hold dear. It, it, it literally says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. I'm warning you about things not yet seen today. I will tell you, no matter what happens, he'll bless you. No matter what's going on in the economy, no matter what's going on in the geopolitical climate, no matter, we bless Israel, by the way, today. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Who wants to build an ark today? In fact, it goes on to say, because everything you see about God, listen, just as in God's word, he doesn't, he doesn't see the name of a church. He doesn't see first this or, or, or that church or new covenant or, or so-and-so he sees cities. Every church is called a city, the church at Northport. You have to understand, he also, when he looks at a family, he doesn't see just one leg of the family. He sees generations. I pray every day for five-generation wealth to hit my family. Now, you may call me crazy, but I'm telling you, when you think generations, every decision you make begins to shift. It's not about you. He doesn't see one line of a generation. He sees generations. And it's called walking in perpetual. Now, let me finish reading this. By his faith, he, conde he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. Everybody wants blessing without righteousness. It doesn't work. You're watching the wrong Christian television program. Listen, it doesn't work. God's not some, some, some uh, pyramid scheme. He requires righteousness. He looks for righteousness he blesses generations righteously that means in right standing with him so as i move into this perpetual harvest season that is in keeping with faith look what it says in psalms 37 i'm gonna throw a lot of verses at you a bunch of verses because that's what i do because i love his word i've never seen the righteous you know he says i've been young and and now i'm older let's put er on the end of it amen we ain't we ain't old yet I'm older, yet I've never seen the right, righteous, say righteous. 
forsaken, nor his seed, say generation, begging for bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth in his seed, somebody say generation, is blessed. Oh, I got to get into this because I got to release my favorite gift today. It's called the gift of faith. All the other four on each side. The gift of faith is the middle gift. First Corinthians 12, 9. Four other gifts all lean on faith. Without faith, you have nothing. I pray every day, Lord, give me the gift of faith because all the other gifts lean on it. So, so pray this with me. Say, Lord, today, release into me the gift of faith. Oh, you don't understand what you just prayed. It's going to start hitting you. It's going to start hitting you in the middle of the night. You better sleep with a pen and paper beside your bed because you're going to wake up. He's going to start giving you ideas. He's going to give you antidotes. He's going to start speaking things to you. You're going to wake up. You don't understand. Oh, I'm, I'm preaching today to my favorite house so I can get free here. You're, he's going to start sharing things with you. Keys. I'll talk about keys in a moment. But I'm preaching this word because it was so stirring in my spirit. I, I, I need you to understand. I want to awaken another level of faith which is called trust Karen writes about that in restore the roar when she had cancer and she said I had faith and faith is the resume of God but she said then I moved into trust which is the resume of me and God it's faith graduated it's another level I have faith my car's going to drive me back. To, I'm going to be able to drive it back to Texas today. But when I go to put gas in it and I can't see the gas going in, that's called trust. You can't see through the metal, but it's going in there. It's another level. I, I have faith that this floor can hold me. But when I start to sit down and know it ain't moving, that's called trust. I'm building faith today. He sent me here to build faith because his house has seen nothing yet. There's another scroll being delivered. I got to preach this for a second because you need to understand my heavenly father sent me to tell you it's time to dream again. In fact, you don't even realize what season it is in your life. It's Acts 17 verse 6 season. Your times are known of the Lord. That word times literally means epic awaited for moment. Somebody say it's my time. And you have to understand as I move into this world, I, I want you to prepare yourself, have your Bible ready, because this is a Hosea uh, 4-6 moment. My people perish for lack of knowledge. We're going to unleash some knowledge for a second, because you have to realize there is God's law. That's called the moral code. Jesus never broke the moral code. Tithing is a moral code. There's man's laws, which are, is the code of conduct, which those boundaries keep getting stretched. And then there's the literally natural law, which cannot be messed up. You can't mess it up. Only God can mess it up. It means there's 24 hours a day. Only he can move the sun out. You're going to die or you're going to be born and then you're going to die. Natural law. But there's one law that encompasses all three of those. And it's the law of the harvest. All three are tied to it. Things die, things live. Time to sow, time to reap. So you have to understand something. So let me start this word today with a huge promise. One of my favorite promises is found over in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. As long as earth endures, and again, I'm preaching living in the perpetual harvest, but we're going to get to generational wealth in a minute. Because I'm a generational wealth manager. It's not mine. I manage it. It don't belong to me. That means before I make some decisions, I got to get with my family. But it's Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. As long as the earth endures, which it's still here. 
seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. That's a law. Seed time and harvest, it will never cease. It's a law. I'm preaching on perpetual harvest, understanding that there's always a sowing and a reaping. Now, there's sowing righteousness and there's also sowing wickedness. We know that it says that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall also reap, you know, corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting and let us, and we love to use Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in well-doing in proper time you're going to reap a harvest, which is the last part of that, but we don't read the first part. You can't say that without saying, okay, what have I been sowing? Am I sowing right? What did I do during COVID? What did I start watching in my house that we ain't never watched before, but now it's okay because I'm numb to the world. What did I start allowing into my home that should not be there that is interrupting my blessing? What did I start doing? How casual did I get with the presence? Instead of walking in and going, oh Lord, you're moving. The laws of sowing and reaping goes both directions. Karen and I spent, before the Lord began to change our, and shift us, and I'll go deeper into that. We had spent 20 years reaping, sowing righteousness. So I have people say to me, I mean, uh, I'll be at uh, events uh, where there's high officials, what you would call kings. In, in government, and they'll say, how did God raise your family up like this or raise your son up like this or, and, and using him so powerfully and all these different things? And, and I said, well, because we sowed righteousness for 20 years. It isn't I did it right now. I've been doing it. It became a pattern of what we do. It's, it's we had boundaries. We had God. You ain't helping me preach. See, there's an understanding. I've learned that when you walk with the Lord, the mandate of God is always righteousness leads to generational blessing. Now, does that mean if you came from something that's pretty horrible over here or you, you've been doing it yourself right here, but the altar interrupts. So the altar can change the timeline. You ain't helping me. One moment in the altar, the altar is all about God can take who you are and make you who he wants you to be. It's a shifting. I wrote on that rebuilding the altar. So, so God can interrupt somebody that's a drug dealer, a thief, whatever it might be, an adulterer, whatever. And in one moment say, okay, new timeline. It's called the Selah. He sailors your life. So you have to realize something. I have learned that when you walk in that, the mandate of God is righteousness leads to generational blessings. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whosoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now we love these verses when we're taking offerings, and it is tied to finances, but it starts with righteousness. In fact, I'm going to be hitting the law of the harvest is about righteousness and blessing so you have to realize something every time people love to quote verses but they forget that it always starts with righteousness it's Hosea chapter 10 I'm just I'm giving you I'm breaking down the law for a second we'll get into the word here in a second it's it's Hosea 10 so righteousness for yourselves reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness and you've reaped evil. You've eaten the fruit of deception. 
So, so let's awaken you. Write this down. Awaken to the priest and king anointing. Some of you have heard me share on this in the past. It's part of our new book. It's something that God woke me up in because I always thought they were two separate anointings, but I'm going to prove to you it's not. It's one. In other words, you have the anointing to bring your family into the presence of God. We also have the anointing to go take back the land. If you realized who you were, a mobile upper room, if you realize the favor you have on you, you would not bow to another boss. You would walk in the room knowing that contract's mine. Unless he don't want me to have it because he sees something that's in the small print. When you begin to understand who you are, mm -mm. People can talk bad about you. They can talk bad about you. They can say whatever they want and you just go, okay. <laughs> because something's different about you. I'll never forget May 28, 2015. I was getting ready to speak at 26, 27 youth conferences around the nation. Fly in, in a on a morning, preach that night, preach the next morning, fly out to the next place, back and forth. <sighs> I was weary, I was exhausted. And we were at the beach because we'd take a week off before we started the, that, what we did, the youth tour. I've did over 400 youth camps. I can't tell you how many airports I walked through and it happened to Karen and I about two months ago in Orlando when the TSA agent closes the line as we're walking in, closes it behind us, people start going, what's he doing? We walk in, he shuts the line. He says, hold on people. And he walks over to me and he's a young man, probably 28, 29, and looks me in the eyes. And I go, what I do? <laughs> and he goes, I got saved when I was in eighth grade at a camp you preached and now I'm leading my family and we broke all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Starts crying, Orlando airport, walking to the gate. Guy walks up to me and he goes, are you Pat Shatzlan? I said, yeah. He said, I got saved in your service. It happens all the time. Sowing seeds of righteousness. It's an understanding. It's, it's different. I didn't know all those years. When I would call my kids tonight and talk, at night and talk them to sleep because daddy was on the road. I didn't know it would catch up with us. Mm. It's called perpetual harvest. It would break God's law if it didn't catch up with you. Cast your bread upon the water and it will meet you down there. So it's an understanding. We're laying on the beach that day and all of a sudden I get overwhelmed by the presence of God. I don't like to lay out. It's dumb. It's dumb. Karen and Abby love it. And I'm like, I am so bored. Let me build a sandcastle and, and like bring in a backhoe and have fun with it. But I'm laying there and all of a sudden the presence of God sweeps over me. And I said, God, I'm tired. And he said to me, I didn't ask you to die for the church. I already did. And then he overwhelms me and I start weeping. A few minutes later, Karen looks at me and she goes, I feel the presence of God on the beach. And I said, I got to go right. She said, go. See, my favorite, one, my life verse, this will be on my tombstone is Matthew 10, 27. What I say to you in the dark, repeat in the broad daylight and what you hear in a whisper, announce it publicly. Everything is about the whisper, the whisper. Every decision I make, ministry, financial, business, whatever, whisper. If I don't hear the whisper, I'm gonna mess myself up. And that guy, that day God spoke to my heart. He said, I didn't ask you to die. I already did. And then he said this to me. 
God spoke to me that he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. First, you must take back your health. And I did. I lost 72 pounds. Karen lost 24. And now we've helped tens of thousands do the same. We love it. It's a part of our life. Tens of thousands. I helped a pastor in Alaska this last month lose 30 pounds in a month. I love that. Got to live. It's biblical, spirit, soul, body. But then the Lord spoke to me and he said, take back your health. Then you must break the orphan spirit off my people and restore my priestly kings, the entrepreneur anointing. I didn't know what that meant. And then he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And I didn't understand that. So I went to Matthew 16, 19. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. There are keys. And he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I didn't understand it. Isaiah 22, 22. The keys to the house of David. I didn't understand it. Keys, the word is kles in, 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 in the Hebrew. I'm probably saying that wrong. But it, it means power and authority. Do you know that God has many keys? Not just one key, many keys. It's plural. I was praying one morning and I was in prayer and I see a, 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 a belt around the waist of Jesus with thousands and thousands of keys. He said, son, I got a key for every single door. Little keys open big doors. Big doors swing on little hinges called obedience. I told you guys that, that I, we hear music in the middle of the night. It was the weirdest thing. I didn't want to tell anybody. I thought I was crazy. And then the Lord said, and then I found out Karen was hearing it. It just happened last week. Every time we hear music, there's a new key coming. Told you about the time we were praying, walking down the beach. Some of you have heard this. We're walking down the beach and, and, and it, uh, he had spoken. It. it was a year later after he spoke to me, uh, a new mandate for our life, a new interruption, a new life message. My life message has always been the altar, but he'll always add to the life message. It comes at different seasons and, and now it's walking in perpetual favor and, and the king anointing and, and, and we're walking down the beach. We're praying together and, and all of a sudden uh, we said, Lord, give us the keys to the kingdom. At that exact moment, a wave rolls back and there's a key laying in the ocean. Zach moment. Zach moment. No one was on the beach. I took that key. It's shadow boxed in my house. My whole family has a copy of it. I give it out to people all the time because God will give somebody, somebody say, he'll give me the keys. Are you leaning into this? Cause it's going to take a little bit to unpack. Priest and king. And the Lord said, I'm going to put a pre, give you the priest and king anointing, the entrepreneurial anointing. I said, Lord, I don't know what that is. He took me to first Peter two, nine, but you are God's chosen treasure. Priest who are Kings. A spiritual nation set apart of God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so you would broadcast. The word testimony means broadcast. In other words, it ain't about you. In other words, when he does something, it's so you'll tell everybody. Not brag on your giftings. Because you're made of dirt and you're going to return to the dirt. But I'm going to brag about him as long as I'm going to be his vessel. The, I'm going to be the donkey he rides in on. Somebody say Donkey. So there's an understanding that he will release something to you. But if you've been through a lot of stuff, it's hard to hear this. Oh, you're just one of them Christian television preachers. No, I'm not. I had to research this. I couldn't write the book till I, he said, at the end of seven years, you can write the book. I had to walk it out. The, the original Jewish charter, original Jewish charter. Ready? If ye will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. I'm reminded of Melchizedek. Well, who's that? Oh, you'll find him over in Genesis 14. He went and met Abram before he was Abraham. He walked, the Bible says he walked in the priest and king anointing. All you gotta do is look at Hebrews chapter seven, verse one, which we need to know, we know that Jesus is our Melchizedek, priest and king. Now Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of the God most high, he met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Look what it says, priest and king. 
But I was raised, when I went to, to Bible college, they're like, no, that's two separate things. No, that's denominationalism trying to put everybody in their corner. Because if you walk in both, options make you dangerous. You ain't gonna help me preach. It's my quote I've been saying for years. Options will make you dangerous. When you ain't owned by nobody, mm. You'll preach what you're called to preach when you are, aren't on anybody. When you ain't worried about somebody dictating your finances, you'll say what you're called to say. When you ain't worried about what, how somebody can remove you from some title and because you've already got a testimony. David had, or Goliath had a title as the greatest in the land. David had a testimony. People named their dogs Goliath and named their children David. See, it's a different anointing. It's when you walk in this, when you know who you are, when you realize who you are, nobody dictates you. They can look at you and say, you're fired. And you can say, thank you, Lord. I'm ready for the next because you have to understand rejection is protection and so there's an understanding that when God begins to move you into something you ain't worried about nobody taking from you you ain't worried about a pink slip in the middle of a, a down economy because his economy doesn't change and let me just say it uh, he never retires God will bless you. Follow me for a second. In other words, God will bless you to lead your family and church into his presence and at the same time anoint you to take back the land and rule it's dual. Quit limiting my God. You tore part of the Bible out. He'll anoint you in the marketplace. Oh, I don't know about that marketplace. I just want to stay in the sanctuary and pray all day. Cool. But people are out there. Souls are out there. Fish are out there. Church has to get outside the building. You know, Jesus had 132 public appearances and 122 of them were in the marketplace. Do you understand that there are 52 parables and 45 of them were taught in the marketplace? Do you understand there are 40 miracles in the Bible and 39 of them were in the marketplace? Proverbs 31, woman, we're like, oh, she's precious. That's a good little lady right there. She covers her children in the winter. She, does. she was a businesswoman. Read the Bible. Solomon bragged on his own mother, Bathsheba, because she was a businesswoman. I ain't got time to go into it, but Acts chapter 16, the very first house church was planted in a business, a business woman's house, Lydia. That's a new book. Make sure you buy it. <laughs> Listen, once you have the keys, somebody say, give me the keys. Once you have the keys, then he gives the door. It's not vice versa. He don't let you just run into the door. He's like, okay, now I've given you a key. Now watch for the door. Because when the door starts happening, listen, let, let's talk about the knock of destiny. Once I had the, the encounter with the Lord on the beach, I began to look for the door. And oh, it started opening up. Whether it was health, whether it was real estate, whether it was finances, whether it was never worrying about anything. Peace is not an emotion, it's a place you live. It's a place. A place called peace. It means you get out of bed in the morning time and you got chaos on this side of the bed and that side of the bed. You go, I'm going to live right here in peace. I'm going to give him 60 seconds of praise until he hits. But you have to understand the knock of destiny. Revelation 3 verse 20 says, behold, I'm getting where I'm going. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I'll come. He's speaking to the church, by the way. He's saying, you lock me out because you've been having so much good church without me. Welcome to the American church. If he ever walks in, it's just going to mess up their 12 services and order and all that stuff. And the guy's going to resign. He said, I'll sup with you and move with me. It's Matthew 7 verse 7. 
and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find it. Knock. God's about keys and doors. One of, one of my favorite stories, if you'll indulge me for just a minute, I just, one of my favorite guys in the Bible, he's like the Forrest Gump of the Bible. He's everywhere. During David's reign. A man by the name of Obed-Edom. I love Obed-Edom. I wrote about him in rebuilding the altar because he's my favorite dude. Because if you know the story of 2 Kings chapter, or excuse me, 2 Samuel, it's in Kings 12, but 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, verse 6, it says, David is, you know, David is trying to restore the kingdom. He goes and gets the Ark of the Covenant. He puts it on a cart, which it was supposed to be on the priest's soldiers, uh, shoulders. It was supposed to lead. He made it follow. God didn't like it. Nacon, Nacon, which means doing it in man's own strength. The Ark of the Covenant gets to a threshing floor. The place of brokenness is what that means. And it starts to slide. This kid who is of the lineage of Saul reaches out to touch it because he hasn't been taught to protect the anointing. Don't touch it. He dies. David gets so offended. He only was was bringing the Ark back to Israel. David gets so offended. He goes, he's like, get rid of it. The presence of God is too expensive. I'm embarrassed. All David had to do was reach out to the Levites and say, hey, teach me how to take care of this. But he got ahead of himself. And the Bible says that Uzzah dies and he goes to the nearest farm, knocks on the door, and he meets this guy. 2 Samuel 6, verse 10. Name Obed-Edom. And he says, you can have it. Obed-Edom answers the door and says, bring it in. I'm going to build a house for it. I'm going to light the fire in the morning and the evening for it. I will protect it. His house was so blessed. The Jews believed that his daughters gave, gave birth to children three times in three months. So blessed. His house was so blessed that he is enjoying the presence of God. He has the glory, the ark of God, which is the presence of God on earth in the Old Testament, sitting in his house. It housed the law, the leadership, Aaron's rod, and the pot of manna. And it's got the mercy seat, which we know Jesus is the propitiation of sin. Jesus became the mercy seat. The blood flows over the mercy seat. Jesus sits upon the mercy seat. That's why he can't see your sin. It's under him. He's so blessed, this Obed guy, that David starts getting reports. You know that house is getting blessed over there where you left the presence. David goes back and gets it. Obed in the Hebrew, the servant who honors God in the right way, Edom means red. So in other words, red faced rather. He honors God so much, he makes people blush. <laughs> That's an anointing. I'm going to get so loose with the Lord. I'm going to get so loud with God. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to embarrass you. He had a love affair with the presence of God. I was taught that growing up. I love Obed. David goes to him and says, okay, I want it back. I did some studying. We're going to put it on the priest's shoulders. We're going to send them ahead, and I'm going to dance every seven feet and make a sacrifice. All the way back to Israel. About seven miles. That's a lot of sacrifice. Obed says, cool, but you ain't leaving without me. I've already tasted it and I'm going with it. 
David gets it home, lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up your ancient doors that the king of glory might come in. Carries the presence of God back in, puts it in the temple, and he starts setting up the temple. I want you to look who's there. Because the Bible says he refused to leave the presence of God, 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Look what it says. And Obed-Edom in Dial was the gatekeeper. He just showed up and said, where do you need me? Where do you need me to be? Stand at the gate. Look at the next verse. On down. Uh, I don't know if it's the next, but yeah. Uh, no, it's verse 24. He became a doorkeeper. So not only is he not a part of the Levites, but he gets to be a part of the choir as the doorkeeper, listening on worship every day. You ain't helping me. Then all of a sudden, he, they said, okay, you've done really good at the gate. Let's bring you on in closer. Let's give you a door. You ain't helping me. Jesus was the gate and he was the door. He said, put me at the gate. You, you serve out there, then I'm gonna put you at the door. The very door to the, or, the ark of God. The door to the presence of God. And then what else happened? He experienced generational blessing. Over in 1 Chronicles 26, verse four and five. He went from being a gatekeeper to a doorkeeper to being over the treasury of the kingdom. All because the king doesn't want the presence of God. It costs too much. Somebody died. It's really weird. He died in like this threshing floor thing. It's crazy. Yep, it's crazy. Can you take it? Sure. Put it in here. I got it. It's been, it's been missing for 20 years. Saul did something with it. Hit it in the field. I got it. I'll take it. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to make a sacrifice in the morning and the evening to it. I'm going to light the fire at morning and the evening. And my family is going to be blessed. And then when they came to get it, he said, no, 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 no. You ain't taking me. You ain't taking my presence away. Shows up. And there's already like these, these stories about him. People are walking by and saying, he's standing at the gate and they go, that's the dude. That's the dude that, that housed the presence. Then the priests come in and they go, we're going to go see the ark today. Tie a rope around you. Obed, stand there. I'm the dude. Don't go in there wrong. You won't come out alive. And then God says, I'm going to anoint you and your family over the treasury. Somebody say generational blessing. Look what it says in 1 Chronicles 26, verse 4 and 5. Obed also had sons. Look at, these, look at these crazy kids right here. These are some crazy kids. These kids aren't, aren't getting picked up at the popo at midnight. Now watch. He named his son Shemaiah. Jehovah has heard. I'm not even going to try these names. Jehovah has endowed and blessed. Joah. Jehovah is eternal. The fourth, Jehovah is always fair and keeps his promises. Nathaniel, the fifth, given from God. Emil, the sixth, the people of God. Issachar, the seventh, he who brings forth the reward. Peleluth, I said it quick so because you knew I didn't know how to say it. <laughs> God, re God rewards hard work. Oh, you still ain't getting it yet, are you? It all started with answering the door. Somebody say there's a door. Somebody say he gives me the keys. Trying to teach you something today, the laws of perpetual harvest. See, you have to understand. Now watch what happens when you put all this family together. Every family's got a family mission statement. This is theirs right there. You ready? Look what happens when you put the names together. So Obed-Edom, the servant who honored God the right way and had sons, their names meant Jehovah has heard and will bless, is eternal, keeps his promise that are given from God. For the people of God, he brings forth the reward and rewards those who do his labor. It all started with opening the door, 
bring it in here. It all started with thinking differently. I don't want it, king. If you ain't going to do it, I mean, take it to somebody else. I'm not worthy. Every time you walk in the presence of God and remind God of what you did yesterday, he cannot give you something new today. Oh, we got to go back and deal with that. Okay, I got you. I, I think you forgot who I am. Let's get it right and move on. See, it's an understanding. It's a shifting. I'm, I'm hurrying. Just stay with me a little bit longer. We still good? Yes. And in 1 Chronicles 26, 6 through 8, his son Shemei also had sons. Anyway, it goes on to say there was 62. That's a family gathering. I bet they all had the same t-shirt at the reunion. Now listen, door gatekeepers on the back. That's right. We got the treasury. This was on the back of the t-shirts. Many of them were birthed during the time the presence of God was in the house, but they were all first Chronicles 26, 15. This is generational anointing, generational blessing. The lot of the South gate fell to Obed Edom and the lot of the storehouse fell to his sons. Do you understand the power of blessing? It all starts with the door. Jesus was the door, John 10, 7. And then he said in John 10, 9, I'm also the gate. Where was Obed? Gate, the door. See, it's a shifting mindset. It's, it's getting off your internet church mindset. It's I'm going to show up because he's there. And because he's there, I'm going to start standing back in the back and guarding the gate a little bit. Then I'm going to come up here. It's a different anointing. You may not see me because I'm over here at the gate. You may not see me because I'm over here at the door because I ain't got to have the stage. But come mess with the treasury and see what happens to you. My boys are big. See, it's a different understanding. Oh, now we're going to get into blessing. I had to lay some groundwork for perpetual harvest. What you do in your home today determines what your grandchildren will do with the blessing. See, it's an understanding. You understand the power of the blessing. Deuteronomy 28. That's an incredible chapter. You should print this out and put it on your refrigerator. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send down rain on your land in season. That's called harvest. To bless all the work. There's all this Obed stuff right here. Of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none, Jewish nation. And once you let God in the house, once you become a doorkeeper, once you learn to be the, uh, a gatekeeper and then a doorkeeper, then he will trust you with the storehouse. Somebody say storehouse. I'm telling you, this is a, an awakening. You cannot keep trying to purchase God. I don't care who you listen to. It's a journey from righteousness to blessing. So you want to, here we go. We're getting into the, the depth of this really quick. Become a generational wealth manager. What is a generational wealth manager? Transforming from a short-term get-by mindset to generational long-term wealth manager. Who's tired of being broke in here? Who's tired of not enough in here? Who's tired of worrying about somebody can cut you off or this won't show up on time? There's a different understanding, Sam. It's an understanding that that deal fell apart because he said that wasn't good on the other end. He doesn't just see the first word in the sentence. He sees the period at the end. And so sometimes he'll have a little conjunction, junction. What's your function right in the middle of it? I'm going to give this to you. However, nevertheless, it's a shifting mindset. Just wrote this a couple days ago. Remember the beach encounter I told you about? That was nine years ago. It changed everything. It woke up a new chapter. But we had spent 19 years preaching on six continents, sowing righteousness, checking my hotel room before I went in it, guarding what come on my TV, guarding my home, having covenant eyes. 
Let me have bouncing eyes. I ain't looking over at that because it can't touch what I got back. Because mm, she fine. Because I enjoy the wife of my youth. It's a shifting understanding. And God changed everything. And he showed us how to grow wealth. I didn't understand. To decide today that you'd rather live in peace, abundance, and wealth more than the poverty or lack mindset that has never served you. We may have millionaires in here. That's cool. God sent me to share this. It's Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance. My kids, they will have zero debt when I die to take care of for me. Zero. They will have generational wealth and righteousness. Why? Because a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Here's what I know. Righteousness leads to a blessed life. You say, well, God doesn't talk about finances in the Bible. Obviously, you don't have a Bible because you have to understand the Bible references money and possessions 2,350 times. I love what Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you haven't read it, it's ground zero if you're ever going to learn and understand finances. It's kind of like the, the, uh, a very old book written in the 30s called The Richest Man in Babylon. It's the 10-10-80 rule. It's an old, old book, analogy book, The Richest Man in Babylon. I read it and it's give God 10, save 10, live on 80. After 10 years, you have a whole year's salary saved up. But Robert Kiyosaki, and there's a lot more that you can do. But uh, 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 one of my favorite quotes from, from Robert, if you want to be rich, simply serve more, more, serve more people. Listen, a crucial part of generational, of spiritual, excuse me, of spiritual maturity is moving beyond a lifetime perspective into a generational perspective. I want little Jack and Andy, my grandsons, you'll see them playing for Bama. They're crazy, y'all. I'm telling you, good athletes, but they're crazy. And little Sky, my granddaughter, I want them to know, but I don't even want it to stop there. I want the great, great grandchildren to know our name. Righteousness. I'm not just talking about money, please. It's a different understanding. You don't even worry about money. If there's a need, you go, he got it. We had a need recently and I, I just walked outside and I stood, looked up at the sky because of this economy. I looked up and I said, I trust you. I do it every night now. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. Lord, if you're moving, I trust you. Because you have to, when he gave me this whole download nine years ago, one morning I was praying, I was worshiping, and he said, I want you to know I trust you. And I wept. So let me give you keys, and I'm getting ready to close. Well, we've done good. Keys to becoming a generational wealth manager. And there's so many more, and I, I can't get into the depth of this, but we know living righteously leads to, righteousness leads to, to blessing. But listen, number one, God has got to be first in your finances. Deuteronomy 8.18, it always speaks of bring, give me the first fruit, all that kind of stuff. Listen, do you guys understand? Satan was cursed to crawl. I hate snakes. He was in the tree. I, I, I'll get to that. Hang on, I'm going to come back to that. I, 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 you're not ready for that. 
Let me finish reading. Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, generations, as it is today. Generations. Can I just say, realize he wants to bless you? It started in the beginning. Look at the Garden of Eden. Four streams. You should have four streams of finances. God, give me four streams. Pray for it all the time. Four streams of wealth. Why? You ever notice the, 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 the four streams? River, stream of prosperity, Eden, place of pleasure. These are the names of, of, of the rivers in the Bible, in the, in the Garden of Eden. Fed all the, fed it everything. It created everything. Pison means increase. Gahon, bursting forth. Hittichel, rapid, Euphrates, fruitfulness. You put it all together, this is God's promise for you. You ready? This is the original promise in, in, in Genesis. Bring, bring the definition up. Now a stream of prosperity went out of pleasure to furnish the enclosure. From there it parted and became rapid, bursting forth with increase in fruitfulness. Isn't that crazy? It's a different understanding of finances. It's a different, and, and it just means life in general. But you have to understand, when God starts doing stuff, he shifts things. It's Hebrews 11, 11. The only time God is judged in the Bible, Sarah's, Sarah, Sarah said, I judge you faithful. Karen and I pray all the time. We'll be in the middle of prayer. I judge you faithful. Same thing as saying, I trust you. I judge, somebody say, I, I judge him faithful. The only way you can judge God is to call him faithful. Psalms 35, verse 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. There's that word righteous again. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Psalms 112, verse 1 through 3, blessed is the man, I'm about to close. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. There it goes, generation, 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 wealth and riches shall be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Amen. Listen, the enemy, the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 8, be so be diligent for the devil your adversary seeks to pounce on you like a roaring lion. One, one, one term literally says he's sneaking around. The serpent. In Genesis, he starts out in a tree as a snake. In Revelation, he became a dragon. It's because somebody fed the snake. He eats off our flesh. He says, oh, you'll be cursed to eat the dust. What am I made of? Dust. So you have a serpent trying to steal your blessing. He was cursed to crawl across the crops. And he hangs in the tree of blessing. There was 10 types of tree in the Garden of Eden. God says, you can have nine, but the 10th is mine. What did Satan do? He wrapped himself around the tithe. Starts talking. I don't like snakes. That's why he says, you shall bruise his head. You go crush him. But he's crawling. Curse to crawl. What does he crawl across? The crops and dangles from the trees. He wants your harvest, but you got to cut his head off. I'll never forget. I don't like snakes. I hate them with everything inside of me. I don't care if they're the good kind. Oh, don't mess with that. That's a rat snake. No, he's dead. I live in Texas and we just sold a property with, with close to six acres. And you have to understand everything came. Lions and tigers and bears on my, everything. My Aussie would let me know what was out there. Copperheads like crazy. Because we had a little pond and they're just everywhere. Don't lift up a stone in Texas without a gun. <laughs> just don't do it. And one day I was going to a Cowboys game. I had a couple friends in town. So we were going to the Cowboys game. And, and I get to the game and I pull into the parking lot. 
And Karen texts me a picture of this big copperhead. It's about 40 feet long. It's two feet, but it's 40 feet on, you know, if you blow it up on the phone. Yeah, blow it up. It's bigger than it looks. And so all of a sudden, I went, oh man, guys. She had gone into the, uh, we were redoing our workout room, so she went into the garage to get on the Peloton bike and it was laying behind the fan and he'd come into the garage. The devil's a liar. And I said, guys, get out of the car. I got to go home. We live about 20 minutes from the stadium. I said, I gotta, or 25 minutes. I got to go kill a snake. It's in the garage. They get out of the car to go on in the stadium. And I said, I'll be back. I'm going to pull out the driveway there in Cowboy Way. And as I start to pull out, all of a sudden, I get a picture of this dead snake's head. Just a big old head. A belt buckle. And I went. And she said, I got it. Listen, I'm going to tell y'all something. Marry a redneck. They're crazy, but they're fun. All right? They're crazy, but they're fun. Karen was like, he ain't interrupted my workout. You got to do that at every aspect of your life. I'm chopping your head off. You're not messing with my babies. You're not messing with my finances. You're not messing with my children. You're not, uh-uh. You were cursed. Beware of the devil's wiles. He comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, 10. Write this down. He gets the tithe. Some of y'all are like, that's Old Testament. Really? You want New Testament? Let's go read the book of Acts chapter four. <laughs> it's going to get crazy, isn't it? Because <laughs> they gave everything. Malachi, bring in the tithe. Well, that's Old Testament. Okay. Hebrews 7. Remember Melchizedek, priest and king? You want to be priest and king? You want to launch businesses but walk in the favor of God and be able to lead in the house of the Lord? Cool. He was priest and king. He gave, he was the tithe. He gave to Abram 10%. You know why? Because the Levites hadn't been created yet. They were still in the loins, according to the Bible, of Abraham. And God says, now I'm going to bless you. It's the Melchizedek promise. People say, I don't like to tithe. I don't want to come to your house. We'll get robbed. You, you, you get the devils on your doorstep. You say, well, that's, that's law. Jesus said, keep the moral law. There were some laws that could not be broken. Just test him. That's what he says. It's the only thing he says, test me. That's off the gross, not the net. It's an understanding. That's why Hebrews 9, or 11 says... He gave 10, uh, verse 4, gave 10th of his plunder. 11, 11, verse 9 through 10. One night, even say that Levi, they even say that Levi who collects the tent paid the tent through Abram because when Melchizedek met Abram, Levi was still in the body of his ancestors. Number three, generational wealth management. Be a sower. That's overtithe. Amen. Karen and I started praying. Our son leads, uh, he's a state rep, but he leads this massive movement called Liberty and Justice. And part of that is they rescue human traffic victims. So they're building a house in Fort Worth right now. And each room, because of these precious girls, women and children that have been trafficked, it's a very specialized facility. There's nothing like it in America. It's going to have 100 beds, but Nate's leading it. And, and Karen and I both felt each room is $50,000. We said, we'll do $100,000. It didn't happen overnight. Churches help, people help. About a month ago, we wrote a $100,000 check. And it will say the Schatz line rooms for these babies that have been, 
these women, these babies that have been trafficked because I-35 corridor we live is it's the number one trafficking zone. And we stood in our living room and we did it as a family. We prayed over the seed that we were about to sow. And I am putting a claim on that seed. Not for me. For the great, great grandchildren I'll never know. <laughs> putting a claim. When you sow seed, put a claim on that seed. It's Luke 6, 38. Give it. Given to you. And it goes on to say, it's going to overflow. It's going to be measured. Matthew 6, 19. Lay up treasures in heaven. Romans 12 says, God will, verse 8 says, he'll anoint you to be a gift. Why am I preaching on this today? I've come to break a spirit. Right decisions determine the path to freedom. You can break that thing. Listen, listen, let's do a poll. See, we were very poor growing up and many times. But how many of you were raised in poverty? Raise your hand. Be honest. Say we're raised in poverty. Be honest. Poverty loves to follow, but you have the power to kill it. He'll give you ideas, inventions. Generational poverty is never broken until somebody says it stops with me. Stops with me. Mark Twain. 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you did not do than by the ones you did. My great-great-grandfather was escaping Germany and the persecution of the Jews. And I decided to do a lineage search for my dad one day. Created this giant thing to go in his house. You can see where he signed in at Ellis Island, Joseph Schatzlein. He was a tanner. He made saddles and things of leather. Poor. He came in the steerage. My great-great-grandfather, Joseph Schatzlein. September 25th, 1894. He landed in America. Shots lean, German Jew. He was single. Came on an ocean liner, the Nordland Norwegian cruise line owned by White Star. They owned the Titanic too. Most likely third class steerage. He didn't stop up here. He just kept going down. He was broke. And I used to think, man, that steerage mindset has followed our family for so long. Until one day I'm thinking about it and the Lord spoke to me, son, you're missing it. We wouldn't be alive, by the way. Our family name would have died because of persecution. Until one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, you've missed it. At least he got on the boat. At least he got on the boat by himself one day that would lead to our family heritage so it doesn't matter what you came from at least you're in the the room you ain't helping me preach I'm gonna I'm gonna go find some rocks cause they'll talk to me at least you're in the room at least you got on the boat even though at times your faith has been shipwrecked, at least you got on the boat. I'd love to go into what causes poverty and the four biblical classifications, oppression and fraud, misfortune, persecution. I can prove all this, by the way. It'll be in the new book, Laziness, Neglect, Gluttony, or the final cause is a culture of poverty. Poverty breeds poverty. How do you break poverty? Pray, ask forgiveness for those that have harmed you, and forgive, and give. I believe that. Get out of debt. 
save. Fill up the four buckets. I can't go into the four financial buckets. Reach out to a wealth manager. They can explain it to you. Refuse to give in to that spirit any longer. Become, this is it, an inventor and investor. God will give you ideas. Well, it might be somebody else's, but you can make it better. Listen to this. If you miss everything, get this. Action is the antidote for a disease called regrets. Read the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, verse 14. Listen for the whisper. Matthew 10, 27. He's whispering right now. There's a key hanging over. You're about to grab it. Save. Vest. Don't eat your seed. Open, open interest-bearing accounts. Don't put your money in a place for not paying you for it. Let your, learn to allow your, I'm going to say a statement. It's a business statement. Learn to live off the money your money makes. Not the money you planted. That belongs to your grandchildren. Be frugal. Teach your children the value of investing. As my dad sent me to, here to tell you, he wants to bless you. He wants to break something off you. He wants to restore you. He wants to fix you. Stand up across this house. We're about to get into this for a second. I made up my mind that I would be, always be the largest giver in our ministry and the largest, one of the largest givers in our church. I made up my mind. I love it. Sometimes I name the seed. Sometimes I just sow the seed. But I made up my mind. Number one, tithe is a non-negotiable. Years ago, I was getting on a flight out of Atlanta, or out of Birmingham to Atlanta. It's 5.30 in the morning. Some of you may have heard this, but it's years and years ago. I'm getting on a flight. All of a sudden, Karen calls me. Someone has broke into our home. Trustful, Alabama. They're trying to get in. When I went to leave for the airport that, that morning, Karen kissed me goodbye. Then she locked the bedroom door and Abby came and got in bed with her. It's early in the morning, 5.30. I'm sitting on the flight. Karen calls me and she said, someone's in the house and they're trying to get into our bedroom right now. I'm on a flight that is going down the runway. I call Quentin, who's the head of our school of ministry. Quentin is now over CFNI, the whole CFI in Dallas youth. But I met him, picked him up off the streets, raised him up. I said, Quentin, get to my house. Someone's in my home. Get to my house. Call the police. Get to my house. Phone's dead. We took off. You know the flight from Birmingham to Atlanta. 24 minutes, 28 minutes, whatever. I'm in the air. Someone's in my house. And then I'm sitting there. I didn't panic. And I'm a panicker when it comes to my family. I'm ready to, I'm ready to just, just, let's fight. Let's go. I may not be able to beat you, but I'll, I'll say it loud enough. And all of a sudden, I'm riding down. I'm flying, and I go, somebody's in my house, God. Somebody's in my house. And he goes, did you pay your tithe? I said, Lord, I paid my tithe. We always pay our tithe. It's first. In fact, we pay it before we get paid. It comes right out of our account. He said, son, I rebuke the devourer. Walk, ride in peace. All of a sudden, peace overwhelms me. Minute we hit that runway. Called. Karen said, the police are here. Somebody was here, but they're gone. They didn't get into the bedroom. I don't know what they saw. I'm going to rent it when I get to heaven. I'm going to rent it on the movies. Uh, Holy Ghost Netflix. I'm going to rent it. 
I bet they saw the biggest, baddest angel saying, oh, no, 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 wrong house. Wrong house. This house has already paid for my protection. Now, you can let the serpent live in the one tree and talk you into knowledge of good and evil because you know better than God. Or you can cut its head off. And you can say, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to give if it's all I got because you cannot outgive my God. Because I'm going to start something in my family. I'm going to break something in my family. I'm going to be a sower that's above tithe. This is God's word. I am a priest and a king. I've lived this for almost nine years. And I love it. But I want you with your eyes open. I want you to say, Lord, I need a door. But I got to start with the key. When I shut my eyes, restore me. Restore our finances. Eyes are open, by the way. Eyes are open. Say, Lord, if I haven't been faithful, forgive me. I'm starting over today. Oh, there's that mercy seat. There's the mercy seat. Say, Lord, you don't expect interest. Just start me over. I cannot repay you enough. But I will be faith. Eyes open. I will be faithful. So you know why your eyes open? Because when you make covenant, you keep your eyes open. Point to him. Say, I will be faithful with my tithe and my offering, my seed. Bless my house. Righteousness leads to blessing. Righteousness means I've lined up with the cross. Righteousness means I'm walking in purity and authority. Jesus said, I am the door and I'm the gate. If you hear my voice, come on. That's what he said. Come through the door, come to the gate. In the spirit, at the end of your aisle is a gate. The door is right up here. Every eye shut. See, I don't want to be held in contempt in my office. My office is the evangelist. My gifting is altar calls, but I got to do this all over this house. Say, Pat, I need to get righteousness back. I need to restore my life with God right now. I need to get some things out. I got a lot of stuff. We all got stuff. But if you're going to walk through the gate, when you get ready to go through the door, you got to leave the stuff behind. He's restoring family generational favor and righteousness right now. And if you say, Pat, I've got stuff in my life and I need Jesus to forgive me and change me. I need him to restore me right now. Lift your hand up in the air. I don't give a rip who, who sees you. Oh, it's so good. Raise your hand. That's it. That's it. Raise both. Be bold about it, man. Be bold. Come on, raise them even higher. Say, Jesus. Say this out loud. Jesus. Are you really singing over me? Did you hear him say yes? Go with the first voice. That's how you start to learn the voice of God. Say then, Lord, rewrite my song. Forgive me. Restore me. Heal my soul. You are the Christ, the only God. I give you me. Take me and restore me. Forgive me and heal me. Say, Jesus, 
today I start a righteous movement in my family for generations. Now say this. Today, come on, you got to do it as one body. One body. Unity is everything. Today, I choose righteousness, favor, blessing, poverty in Jesus' name. You are cursed. You cannot have me or my family. Shut your eyes and say, Lord, download wisdom to me. See, one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But I heard, I heard this the other day. Jireh provider actually also means God of frugality, of fruit, fruit, frugal, frugality. What does that mean? It means he knows how to release at the right time and withhold at the right time. That's called being frugal with your finances. He's frugal. He says, I'm going to give you frugalness. It ain't time. That car still got some more miles on it. Don't go sell it. He'll give you frugal. He'll also give you alerts. Check that back tire. It's going to pop. You'll be walking by the car and you're like, oh, just happened to me. He talks to me. In this room today, God is going to begin to start releasing visions and dreams. So lift your hands and say, speak to me in my unaware. <laughs> unaware unaware that means when you're sleeping or you're dozing or somewhere between twilight he just starts talking he'll start playing music say today we are new say this out loud lift up your head O ye gates and be lifted up you ancient doors the king of glory is coming in give my God a praise offering amen